This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. So uh, I have kind of two messages. The theme tonight is the leader within, the leader within. And I believe it's important that you understand that uh, until we yield to the leader within us, which, by the way, I'll just come straight out and tell you, is the Holy Spirit, we will not succeed in the things of the Spirit of God. We will not succeed in seeing what God wants to accomplish through our lives. It requires an obedience. It requires something of as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the mature sons of God. They're the sons of God. And God is looking for sons that can be entrusted with this gospel. But at the same time as I was preparing, I was agitated in my spirit. And I'd like to just read a couple of scriptures. And uh, I don't know how I'm going to weave this together, but this is what came up in my heart. Uh, In Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's good favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord, for the display of his splendor. This scripture resonates inside my spirit. The reason I believe this is so powerful is because this became the keystone of Jesus's ministry. When Jesus came to the earth, this was the very verse that he quoted in the book of Luke, the fourth chapter, the 18th through 21st verse. Jesus took the scroll in the synagogue And he declared, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue was upon him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Well, I'll tell you, this day, this scripture has been fulfilled. Can I tell you, when, when Jesus declared that, he wasn't just declaring his ministry. He was declaring the ministry of the body of Christ to a broken and lost and shattered world. I had an instructor in Bible school, and he he always, when he would teach us, he would always resonate with the hearts of everyone. And he taught us and he said, whenever you prepare a sermon, whenever you prepare a message, he he said, if you'll always think of the person with the broken heart in mind, he said, you'll never be far from the father heart of God and the ministry of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to break up, to bind up the broken hearted, to do something for people. I believe that I have a question tonight for you, especially as leaders. Tonight I'm speaking to leaders. How is it that we 
in Zimbabwe. I'm not speaking only to you, but how is it that we, the body of Christ, ignore fulfilling in the lives of those who are sitting in our pews his self-identified mission described in these two passages of scripture. I'm tired. I'm not tired in my body. I'm tired in my soul. There's something troubling my heart, something that I want to get out in front of those who call themselves the redeemed. I'm going to be brief tonight, but I want to be clear. These words in Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3, should resonate throughout Christendom, throughout the body of Christ. That is, if we indeed are who we say that we are, and if we really are about what we say that we're about. If that is true, then we should not be fulfilling our mission, then, then, then should we not be fulfilling our mission as his ambassador? Ambassadors don't live for themselves, they live for the cause of those that they represent. He himself proclaimed and identified the mission that he and you and I by extension by the power of his body, being his body, that we came to fulfill in the earth. To bring good news to the afflicted. Those that are afflicted. To bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Freedom to the prisoners. And comfort to anyone who mourns. For many years now, we've been working with those in our country who have been afflicted. We work in the prisons. We work in the hospitals. We work with orphans. We work with those who are afflicted in this country by poor governance. I don't know if you can have any more street people than we have right now. We work with those who work under oppressive conditions, improper health care, mismanaged infrastructure. And many of the well-known woes of our country and that the people of our country face. We also counsel believers and unbelievers. There's a constant flow of people, broken humanity. And one of those groups of people are the survivors of this abuse and survivors of abuse in the home. Here's the crazy thing, and it's very unfortunate. Most of these survivors of abuse come from within the church. And we're not talking about one or two, we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of people. And I understand that of late, there has been an ever-increasing number of women who are seeking help for what I can only describe as domestic oppression. I see it trying to be institutionalized in our country. The very fact that the devilish leaders of this country would try to pass a bill that would remove marriage so that they can have as many wives as they want, that polygamy can be 
That is not a value that we need in our nation. They already abuse their wives. They have girlfriends, not just our leaders, but many in this country. And God does not look well upon that. God is not pleased. And I, and, I, and, I, and I know you say, well, it's our culture. Well, that is the culture that is destroying your families. That is why no one can trust anyone. And that culture must change. This oppression or abuse, in part, is really symptomatic of the conditions that we find ourselves in our nation. It's not just in this one area, but we seem to have a penchant towards abusing one another. I am always shocked at how we treat each other when we're given a little bit of power, a little bit of authority. This isn't new by any means. But the heavy influx of women and children in need of freedom from oppression, and that oppression is something that's just falling short of violence upon them. It's been astonishing. Every one of these women attend a church somewhere in this area. This isn't a category of abuse you're going to find in any national codified list. It isn't a category you'd find in your most, most of your self-help or counselor advice books. Yet it is one of the most prevalent forms of abuse experienced by wives, little girls, and little boys in the church. And I'm really tired of it. I'm really sick and tired of it. We have many pastors today that are abusing their wives and their children in the name of the Lord. We have many men that abuse their children and their wives in the name of the Lord. Pastors, you should get your Bibles opened up and begin to study the 80 or more references to oppression that there are in the Bible. And let's find out what God's attitude about oppression really is. Will you do that? Will you as pastors study this? Because God hates not only oppression, but he stands against the oppressor. The scripture in I believe it's in Lamentations, it says that uh, the oppressed, once given power, become the oppressors. And that's what we've seen. We've seen a nation that has come out of oppression called colonialism, but went into worse oppression called whatever you want to call it. But I'll tell you what, it's not good. Our people are ravaged today. And there's no hope in sight in the natural. I believe it's time for our leaders, our pastors, to start teaching about it, start looking for it, start intervening when this, when this kind of oppression rears its ugly head. I think we need to provide a safe place for the ladies and the little ones who are trying to find escape. And in some cases, even for families that are escaping certain kinds of oppression. What we, if a woman comes to you and talks about how angry her husband gets, 
pay attention. Pastors, pastors' wives, pay attention. This is really her way of initiating a conversation about the oppression she lives under. She needs you to listen. Take it seriously. Don't minimize or deny what she's telling you. And this is especially true if the man has any kind of leadership in your church, if he's, kind of, if he's a leader. The Bible says that we can judge all things. We don't judge people. We're not here to be in judgment of people, but we're here to judge all things, and we're here to help people that have these problems. Pastors, we also need to get our men together. And I'm telling you as pastors today that we need to tell them that no man of God worthy of the name of Jesus, of Jesus or worthy of the name of man of God oppresses, dominates, controls, or terrifies his family. That is the job of the devil, not of those whom God has placed as servant leaders within families. Get your men, and in some cases women, help if they need it. Keep them accountable. Pastor, God will hold you accountable one day. So be ready. Men, get on your knees. Get your Bible open. And begin to saturate your soul with the word of God. Take Psalm 15 and read it. Meditate on it. The Bible says this in Psalm 15. He says, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor, who casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person, but honor those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things shall never be shaken. Some of you need to get a hold of that. You need to say, wait a minute, where do I fall short of what God says? We need to allow the Holy Spirit to perform a spiritual MRI on your heart and on your soul. Bringing the truth of God to the surface. Get into the light. Get your sin confessed. Repent of it. And then start bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. And remember... All of us one day will have an exit interview and you'll be asked about your treatment of your family and your treatment of your neighbor and those that God brought into your life. Ladies, I think you need to thank God that you're in a church that teaches you that you do not have to subject yourself and your children to domination and control under the guise of biblical leadership. We do not believe that. Domination and control is wrong in any form. In the environment where abuse comes alive and thrives is not the work of Christ. It is the work of the devil. If anyone is in a situation like this, pray for God to deliver you and your children from the oppression that he hates. Let me tell you something, he'll do it. Grab a hold of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, The Lord himself goes before you, and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. 
Make that your anchor verse. Hold on to it and walk out of oppression and into your freedom and into life. God will fight your battles. God will help you. Go to a trusted friend. Go to a trusted pastor and let's get help. We cannot have abuse anymore. Amen. As a church and as church members, you need to get educated. You need to get some knowledge about abuse. You need to talk about the reality and the prevalence of it. You need to stop acting if there is some kind of a neutral ground when it comes to abuse. There isn't. You either side with the abused or you side with the abuser. And just to be silent, knowing that there's abuse going on, means you side, you've sided with the abuser. And that is wrong. That is wrong. There is no middle ground. And I know that none of you, I, I know that... In our culture, we don't like to confront these things. Meanwhile, you know what's going on. This is not helping our society. This is wrong. It's abuse. And we need to stand up to abuse and say, no more abuse. That is wrong. Now, we don't want anarchy. That would be abuse on our part. But we cannot tolerate this anymore. Be open to opening your home to those among you who are being oppressed or exploited. In so doing, you're partnering with Jesus himself who came to set the captives free. There's some people that need a safe place to come to. They just can't do it anymore. There's nowhere to go. Open your house. Bring them in. Let's help them. Remember the law of Christ is for us to love one another just as he loved us. Galatians 6.2 reminds us that there that we are to bear one another's burdens, the Bible says. The Amplified says, bear one another's burdens, lift up from underneath, and thus fulfill the law of Christ. Wow. It's our duty. It's our call. It's our lifeblood. If what I'm talking about has disturbed you tonight, Good. Maybe you'll get disturbed enough to do something about it. If it has angered you, I really have to wonder why. My prayer is that this will motivate you to become better informed, better equipped. And if it does, I'll be very proud of you. And so will God. My prayer is that my brief message will cause movement toward God's original design for the church and for the family, that they would be safe havens and places of rescue where Christ himself is king. How do we minister to the oppressed in our society? Well, I believe that we need to be led by the spirit of God by the leader that is within us in order to do so. Acts 10.38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Oppression of the devil is often the effect of oppression from those who are used by the enemy to oppress. Let me tell you how God wants to use you. I'm going to be very brief. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 
The, the, the Apostle Paul describes nine manifestations of the Spirit. I think you know what those are. In the 13th chapter, he goes on and he describes how these gifts should be used, how they should be operated in love. And unless they are, they profit us nothing. He said in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. These gifts that God gave to the church, these gifts that he gave to you and I are to be used. They're be, to be used to set captives free. But you know, I believe that many charismatics, many Pentecostals, and many people of faith that once operated in the gifts have failed to do so. I think many of us as pastors have shrunk back, and I, and I know why. And partly it's due to the false prophets that have risen up in the nation who exploit people with divinations. Those are not gifts of the Holy Spirit. Much of that is divination. It's simply a spectacular show. In the 14th chapter, the Apostle Paul tells us primarily about prophecy and its use and how to operate in it. Tongues and their purpose and their use and the interpretation of tongues. Here's the amazing thing. You cannot find here or anywhere else in the scriptures that says anything about the operation of the other six gifts of the Holy Spirit. The reason is that the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the discerning of spirits, the gift of faith, the working of miracles, the gifts of healings are all work that is initiated by the Holy Spirit himself through a believer. You can't bring revelation to yourself. You can't initiate it yourself. I had someone tell me the other day that they had the gift of discernment. Well, first of all, it isn't the gift of discernment. It's the discerning of spirits. And that person who had the gift of discernment, I felt like they were really saying they had the gift of suspicion. Oh, they, 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 they had a judgment about everything and everybody, and they called it discernment. It wasn't discernment. Anybody can get that gift. You're suspicious. You're mistrusting. I think the Shona culture all has the gift of discernment, <laughs> the gift of suspicion. But we need the gift of discerning of spirits. You see, with tongues, prophecy, interpretation of tongues, you have to do the speaking. Even though it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, you're doing it. You must initiate. You must open your mouth. You must speak. You must declare. It takes a great deal of faith to operate in tongues and interpretation of tongues and in prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 27, if any man speak, the Bible says, if any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or by at the most three, that it may be, and that by course, and let one interpret. Now let me tell you something, if it was the Holy Spirit doing this, if he was the one speaking, you wouldn't have to write to the Holy Spirit to tell him to shut up, or when to talk, or not to talk, because he would know. But because it's man that's doing it, he doesn't know. See, sometimes I think that when you practice a divination, you become so slick 
that everybody thinks it's you. The gifts are not for you. The gifts are not to draw attention to you. The gifts are to be given to release people from oppression, to set the captives free, not to enrich yourself, not so that you can take from people, but that you can freely give that what you freely received. You must judge the fruit. In the 20, but see, see, in our culture, we have a, a kind of a propensity towards witch doctors, whether they be prophets or apostles or nyangas or sangomas or wizards. In the 29th through 33rd verse, he said this. He said, let the prophets speak two or three and let the others judge. If anything be revealed to another that sits by, let the first hold his peace. He goes on to say, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. See, what the prophet is bringing forth is coming out of his own spirit. And that's the reason, particularly with the spiritual gifts of prophecy, tongues and interpretation of tongues, that people can misuse them. They can abuse them. That is the reason that we must show care when we're using them. That is why we must be subject to others. That's why a prophet must be subject to another prophet. That's why when we speak prophetically, it must be judged. Prophecy must be judged. No, no, we have prophets running all over the place, falsely prophesying, falsely declaring, and when it doesn't come to pass, they wipe their mouth like nothing happened. They say, just give me another $20,000 and I'll prophesy again. We've seen lawsuits where people have lost millions of dollars giving it to a prophet. What if they would have sold that for the kingdom instead of for some flagrant abuser, an oppressor? I'm telling you, this is oppression. The gospel of Jesus Christ liberates the oppressed, binds up the brokenhearted, heals the sick. Opens the sight of the blind, both naturally and spiritually. But it's the doings of the Spirit of God. Mark chapter 5, verse 7. Jesus, we see the story of him, and I'll close with this. He's going over to the, the madman, the, the, the demon-possessed man of Gadara. And when he gets there, it says that he shouted out at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding nearby on the hillside. And demons began, begged, the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out, went into the pigs, and the herd of about 2,000 in number rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. I want you to see something here. Discerning of spirits is supernatural insight into the realm of spirits. You don't only see demons, you see angels. You see spiritual activity. If anyone would have been present with Jesus at this time, and when they saw the man of Gadara, all they would have heard was Jesus talking to him in his natural voice. But unless you were seeing and hearing to the realm of spirits, you wouldn't have heard what all these devils were saying. It was a discernment. Jesus was hearing them. 
All of them spoke up and asked Jesus not to send them the way out of the country. He wanted, they wanted to go into the swine. When it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, there are diversities of operations, but there are, they are determined as how they work by the prompting and the leading of the Holy Spirit, the leader within us. When I look at our church, I remember the days when the Spirit of God would move freely and the Spirit of God would show up. But there came a move to sully the waters. The Bible speaks of false shepherds and how they didn't care about the sheep and they muddied the drinking pond. They muddied the place where people would drink. So we're now people are afraid. They're, they're not even sure anymore. Sometimes we think we have to have a super apostle, a super prophet, a super teacher. We don't need a superman. We don't need to be a superman. We need to be led by the leader within, led of the Spirit of God. And that Holy Spirit is available to each and every one of you. He's there to lead you, to guide you into all truth, to teach you all things. You have an unction from the Holy One. You need not that any man teach you. See, I don't know how these gifts work. They do have distinctions, and sometimes they can be a little bit spectacular. But let me tell you something. Every time something spectacular happened, what did Jesus do? He's our pattern. He said, tell no man. He said he could no longer stay in that area. He had to leave. He didn't want to have the attention, the glory, or anything come towards him. He didn't want to merchandise his anointing. He wasn't there for him. He was there for the people. He was there to represent God. He was there to be God's hand extended, an expression of God's love for the people, to bind up the brokenhearted. To give recovery of sight to the blind. To take the prisoner out of prison. Man, that is our calling. That is our message. And pastors, if you've shrunk back, now's the time to step up. Now's the time to begin to speak again. To prophesy again. Not crazy prophecies. Yay, yay, yay. You're going to go to North Korea. You're going to go to South Korea. That's Are you crazy? You don't need to go anywhere. You just need to go to your neighbor. God already told you to go. You don't need a prophecy to go somewhere. No, real prophecy, the Bible says that real prophecy reveals the hearts of men. Man, I'll tell you what. I think it's important that we become yielded once again to Holy Spirit. That we can begin to cultivate a relationship with him. The person of the Holy Spirit. Because without him, we're destined to be oppressed. Jesus even said it this way. He says, I'm going to go and be with the Father. He says, but I will not leave you comfortless. I will send another comforter to be with you. What does the comforter do? He'll guide you into all truth. He'll guide you into all things. He'll use you to be as Jesus was on the earth. 
as he is, so am I in this world. Wow, what a privilege, what an honor. Pastors, leaders, this isn't just for pastors and leaders. It's for every member of the body of Christ, the priesthood of every believer. Can I tell you something? We are not going to see the nation of Zimbabwe revived on the current wave of foolishness. But we will see it revived when men and women like you and I humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. We break our hearts and rend our hearts and say, God, we don't want to be seen, but we want to be used. We don't want to be big ministries. We want you to be a big minister. We don't want to increase. We want you to increase. Would you increase and let us decrease, but would you use us? Let me tell you something. When people get healed in my ministry, I don't want to have it in the newspaper. I don't want to have the world talking about it. They'll hear and they'll know soon enough, and they do, that me remain hidden. If you'll take that heart, that spirit, I believe that we can usher in a revival. God says he's looking for men and women of humble and contrite hearts. He's looking for people he can show himself strong through. Men and women that he can do exploits through. But we've got it all backwards. We all thought it was about us. My ministry. No, it's his ministry. His ministry through us. Tonight, I want to pray for you. I want to make room for the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Tonight as we are here at Synod, this is a good time to rend our hearts. And if you're willing to say that you're in a place tonight that you'd like to say, God, I want to yield to your Holy Spirit. I'm willing to decrease that you might increase. I want to prophesy again. I want to speak in tongues and have interpretation of tongues in my church. I want to allow the gifts of the Holy Spirit to operate through me. I will be obedient when you prompt me. I'll act upon the revelation that you give me. Now I'll tell you, that takes a boldness. Because when God shows you, it may be in a parking lot. It may be in a grocery store. Most of the works that Jesus did were never in a church. They were never in a meeting. They were as he went about being full of the Holy Ghost, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Being full of the Holy Ghost, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. His ministry hasn't changed. It's his church that's changed, but his ministry hasn't. If you sense God ministering to your heart tonight, you say, I want that. I just simply want you to get out of your chair. Stand up and say, I want that. And make your way to the altar. Say, I want that with all my heart. Let's believe that God will touch us. Let's pray that the Holy Spirit will meet us. <sighs> Hallelujah. Come on, if God's speaking to you, 
If that's what you desire, rend your heart, not your garments. Open your heart. I'll do what I hear and 
I'll trust you to do the rest. The gift isn't for you. It's not to make you look good or great. It's for you to impart, regardless of what you see happens. Think about it. One time Jesus prayed for a guy. He prayed for 10 lepers. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. And it says, as they went, they were healed. As they went, they were healed. It didn't happen right now. It wasn't some big splash in the pan. He even told us as believers, he says, pray for the sick and they shall recover. Now, I love it when there's a miracle. I love it when somebody, boom, happens right now. And that happens often. But it can't be for merchandise sake. It can't be so that I become something great. It's got to be that he's great. May he be seen. And I don't care if anybody ever knows that that person was blind and now they see. I don't care. See, God loves that kind of a heart. Pastors, don't use your gift just to advertise. Let God do the advertising for you. I'll tell you what, Jesus had the solution long before he got in the pulpit. Your place for the solution is in prayer. You pray and God will back you. What you ask for in secret, he'll reward you openly. Some of you want to have power without prayer. Are you with me? So let's repent tonight and then let's ask the Holy Spirit. We need, a, we need a revival for our nation. We need something to break loose in Zimbabwe. But it's not going to be the same way we've been doing it. It's got to be Him. So Holy Spirit, we come to before you tonight. Whew, we've become almost professional at doing church. Father, I don't want that. I don't want to be religious. So Father, I confess that, man, my religion is null and void. It doesn't help me. It doesn't help anybody. I can be a noisy, clanging symbol. I don't want to be that. I want love. I want your presence. I want you, Holy Spirit. I don't care what anybody sees or what anybody hears. I just want you tonight. Forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for my hard-heartedness. Forgive me for shrinking back. Forgive me for allowing falsehood keep me from doing truth allow me for not wanting to associate with those that are practicing forms of divination and in so doing I didn't do what you told me to do I tonight repent before man, before God and I'm asking Holy Spirit that you would cause a revival to come in the nation of Zimbabwe not only for this church but Father for every church not only for us, but for all of our brothers and sisters. And Father, you would touch the hearts of men. That my pastors, that every one of our pastors here tonight, Father, would receive a fresh unction of your Holy Ghost. A fresh unction of your Holy Ghost. A fresh unction of the Holy Ghost. Let your spirit fall. Let your spirit fall. A fresh unction of the Holy Spirit. A fresh unction of the Holy Spirit. A fresh unction of your Holy Ghost. A fresh anointing. A fresh unction. 
a fresh unction. A fresh move of the Holy Spirit. Oh, freshness in our gifts, freshness in our obedience. Father, cause us to become bold to do. Bold. Father, we would speak the word of God boldly. Give us boldness tonight, Father. Oh, give us boldness tonight, Father. Fill us with a boldness for the gospel, a boldness, Father, that we might do what Jesus did. Bind up the brokenhearted. Give recovery of sight to the blind. Set the captives free. Proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Come on, just worship Him. Just worship Him. We worship You, Lord. We yield our hearts tonight. We open our hearts tonight. Forgive us, God. Forgive us tonight, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. You know, I heard something tonight from our brother from Korea. And I think you need to do the same. He said something about we need to think deep thoughts. See, some of us don't think deep thoughts. We don't think about what's next. We're only thinking about tonight. We're only thinking about, oh, if I could just have the Holy Spirit do what? What's he going to do? Part of it is not some supernatural experience. It's about the decision you make at an altar. It's about the choice you made tonight. The choice to turn away from the way you've been going to say, I'm going to start walking a different way. I'm going to start exercising that muscle again. I'm going to start obeying him. I'm going to start everywhere I go saying, Holy Spirit, I'm going to give you a chance. Holy Spirit, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Not what I want to do. What do you want to do? Holy Spirit, what, what, what is it that you want right now? Holy Spirit, Holy, and we begin to build and develop our relationship with Him. Our relationship with Him. He's a person. Holy Spirit, what is it you want? Holy Spirit, how do you want to do that? So Holy Spirit, there's somebody you want to touch. Holy Spirit, I'm going into this grocery store. Is there anybody you want me to minister to? Can I buy somebody groceries? Can, I'm not going to think about myself. I'm going to think about somebody else. I'm going to think about somebody else. Holy Spirit, I'm going to go about being full of the Holy Ghost and going about doing good. I'm going to go about like Jesus did and heal all who are oppressed of the devil. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.